1: Attention Ditto heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Bo's by the pseudonym Bo Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, rush. rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly.
2: There are six left. Representative Andy Biggs, Lauren Boebert, Eli Crane of Arizona, Matt Getz. Representative Bob Good and Representative Rosendale are standing between Kevin McCarthy and the Speakership of the House of Representatives. The 14th vote is expected tonight when the House reconvenes at 10 o'clock. It was quite a session today for the 12th and 13th votes. We will cover all of that if you want to be part of the program. 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. So much, ladies and gentlemen, has transpired in the last 24 hours. We will hear from Susan Ferricio coming up in uh, the program today, on the program today. She's the Washington Times National Politics Correspondent. I was on Twitter, and she I saw something flash by. She, she had uh, some outlines of what the deal was. It is also making its way into print in various publications that cover national politics. Chip Roy, one of the uh, 14 that changed his opposition vote to a vote for Kevin McCarthy, was one of the negotiators. And if you listen to what's being said, they have extracted promises out of Kevin McCarthy that will change the face of Congress, change the behavior of Congress. And for these things to occur would be a somewhat of a victory. Now, there's always a chance, and supposedly this deal was in writing. They went, they said, I don't know, not just promises we wanted in writing. Well, I got news for you. Sometimes people can put something in writing And still not deliver. So that's not an assurance at all that what was promised will happen. But if Kevin McCarthy does succeed, if the negotiations that were supposedly done in good faith turn out to be true, there will be a difference in the way. The United States House of Representatives conducts its business. We'll get into all of that. Of course, one of these speeches, the nominating speeches today on the Democrat side, came from uh, uh, Democrat Veronica Escobar. And Ms. Escobar at great length talked about January 6th. Of course, all Democrats do. This is the second anniversary of January 6th. You'll remember. A few years back, Washington, the Amazon Prime, Washington Post changed their uh, little slogan underneath after all of this. Democracy dies in darkness. Racist. Um, But, and if you heard Rudy, there's a lot. If you heard Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, there is a lot that has not been uncovered about January 6th including the role of Antifa. And I want to say a few words about January 6th as well. I was in the studio with Rush when it was happening. We were, Brian Johnson, Dawn Baczynski, and I were in looking at Rush and sitting across from Rush as these events unfolded. I had a TV monitor to my left, and I'll always remember being supportive of the rally until I saw people climbing and scaling the walls. And I'm saying, Oh no, you, you guys can't do this. But I also remember the doors being let open. I saw it. The doors being let open for people to come inside. And i and I still thought to myself, this is strange. Who's opening up the doors? Of course, we never got the answers to that either. But the thing about Veronica Escobar's speech about January sixth she talked about with with quite a degree of passion how she remembers being in this chamber, and people were pounding at the doors outside these doors, and people were smashing the windows these windows and she talked about how frightened and. What a horrible thing this was in Washington, D.C., horrible for the United States of America. And who, well, who knows if these same Republicans that can't govern themselves to get a speaker were in charge, who knows what would have happened. Well, Ms. Escobar and all you Democrats that keep on prattling on about January 6th, let me be really clear, I never supported violence. And I think that those that committed violence should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. That said, every Democrat city in America, every single one, from New York to Philadelphia, from Philadelphia down through the South, down to Orlando and Miami across this great nation through Atlanta in Texas and Dallas and Houston up north in Detroit on the west coast in Seattle, Portland, Oregon, LA, San Francisco, every single one Baltimore Every single one of these cities has January 6th happening every day. Every single day. Except, you know what? These same people who prattle on about how scared they were, don't say a word about it. In Chicago, every single weekend, the death toll. It almost goes unreported now because it's just business as usual. Oh, these. No- oh, by the way, Ashley Babbitt's mother was arrested trying to jay, she was jaywalking, and the, the cops in Washington... Capitol Police arrested her for jaywalking, Ashley Babbitt's mother, today. But January 6th happens every day of the year across American cities, every single American city. And these same Democrats who sit up on their haunches and proudly pontificate to us and tell us how we should all be petrified and scared because some politicians' lives were threatened, could care less when it's your life threatened. In fact, members of Ms. Escobar's party make sure that, at least in New York and some other places, that the offenders of the violence on the American people can get out of jail. Vice President Kamala Harris promoted a bail fund to let some of these criminals out of jail and back on the streets. And what happens? They murder they rape, they pillage as part of their daily cycle of life. And you don't hear a word about it from any of these. Miss Veronica Escobar doesn't get her pretty little self on TV. She is pretty. And tell you how bad she feels for the families that got killed that day in her district because they don't care. Those are just the lives of the peasants, you see. And the peasants kill themselves. The peasants, the criminals are free to prey on the peasants. But, oh, no, if they prey on the, if you have a few political agitators that turn violent and they prey on the elected class or attempt to, why, the whole country should damn near come to a halt. Oh, no, democracy dies in darkness. Oh, no, we can't have this. Their lives are ultimately more important than yours, and that's what we hear from these people every single day. They will do nothing to stop the rampant criminality that many of you face coming home from work, going to work, going to school. I mean, I will never forget this story, a 15-year-old girl. The day that this district attorney in Philadelphia was proudly talking about how Republicans are all the root of all evil, a 15-year-old girl, I reported it at the time, on Broad Street, one block away from city hall was raped coming out of the subway there on her way to school do you hear do you hear miss escobar talk about how this 15 year old's life is going to be changed forever because of, she was brutally raped in broad daylight no and these things happen every day around every city january 6 is groundhog day for for many american citizens every day it happens, and they could care less about your lives. What matters is their own lives, because they are the high and mighty ruling class of America. And they make sure, they, they can tell you all day long that if you put up a wall, you're xenophobic, you are anti-immigrant if you say you're in support of a wall, but you try to get to their houses. Try your best to get to where they live. Gates, walls, security—they're not worried about their own safety. They've got that. It's like this Corey Bush, this woman, this, this 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 woman that said these horrible things. This member of the squad about Byron Douglas called him a prop black man that supports white supremacy and all this nonsense. She was one of the defund the police people. She's got private security. So she wants to defund your police in your neighborhood, make sure the criminals can have at you. But when it comes to her own little precious life, oh, no, she'll protect that. Just like these D.C. types will protect their own lives. And they're outraged about January 16th. So outraged, they haven't stopped talking about it for two years. They held hearings about it. When's the last time they held hearings about the crime that happens in your neighborhood? When is the first time? This is the kind of hypocritical behavior that we get from Washington that many of us are hoping comes to an end. I see somebody on the phones. I want to take him right now On, on in Connecticut. Adam, I don't usually hey take there. a call during the monologue, but I saw your line, and so I want to give you a chance. I don't want you to wait to, to get your point. Say no, it, thank please.
3: You. I, I'm listening, and I, I appreciate your point of view. Um, I just wanted to say Donald Trump, lied to millions and millions of people that he had the uh, American election stolen from him, got many people angry, and the, and his, and the right-wing media ecosystem, the mainstream, mainstream right-wing media, fell in line, propagated that myth, along with lots of um, politicians, and riled up millions of Americans who still believe this giant lie that somehow they had that, you know, Trump had rightfully won. And then he created a huge mob, riled them up, and then sucked them on the Capitol. That is, in, by definition, insurrection. And I'm not saying what's happening. I'm not even talking about anything to do with city, citywide
2: violence. But let me of say— Of course you're not. You cannot— Of course you can, you're not. Because, because they're not the same thing. Of course you're not. It doesn't matter when American people are killed by the thousands. That's not the same thing as having a few politicians scared for their lives for a few minutes.
3: Let's let's talk about what happened on January 6th.
2: No, first of all, let's talk about something you said here, because I find it almost sickening. People, Adam, and I mean this, first of all, I'm glad you called, and I don't mean this personally when I say people like you, but I hear this over and over again. He lied, he lied, he lied. It's easy for the press to say he lied without ever going into the specifics of the lie. Let me say something to you. There are people who have looked into ballot harvesting and how it's conducted, It is a sham. I will not ask you, because I don't want to put you on the spot, to actually walk us through what ballot harvesting is. Ballot harvesting denies the intent of one person, one vote. These bundled votes, and we don't know where, these drop-off mailboxes are not a secure form of voting. Even your own former president, Jimmy Carter, back in the day and all that, they talked about how unsafe and how subject True fraud it was. I'm not claiming anything was stolen. But I'm telling you, for people like you who smugly sit here and say, oh, he lied about this election being stolen, you don't know that for a fact, Adam, because you haven't looked into every single instance that was alleged. And by the way, neither have I. I've looked into some of them, and and what I see causes me problems. I see that there are problems in the electoral system, and you guys on your side just want to smugly sit and say everything is okay, everything's okay. Well, everything's not okay with our electoral system, Adam, and people have a right to be upset about that. And I have to go to a break, but I'd like for you to hold on. We have an interview coming up with, Adam, I genuinely want to hear what you have to say, and I want to have a discussion with you, not an argument. So if you want to hold on, I'll get to you after we do our after we have our interview with Susan about what's going on with um with this vote. James Golden, A.K.A. Snirly, with you here on WABC Talk Radio seventy seven, coming back right after this. The Rush Hour with Bo Snirly. Rush, 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 rush.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
2: It is Friday, W.A.B.C. Talk Radio 77 in New York. James Golden, a.k.a. Boston Early with you here. Hoping that your presence is indeed very pleasant. We have on the phone with us the Washington Times National Politics Correspondent, Susan Fruccio. Susan, thank you for joining us. Hey,
1: great to be on your show.
2: I am so glad you are here. I was uh, following your Twitter feed earlier today. And you were the first person that I saw that reported some of the financial parts of the negotiation that has taken place to flip votes in Kevin McCarthy's favor. Can you tell us and tell our audience, please, what it is that you were able to find out?
1: Well, a lot of what the holdouts want is some way for the Congress to operate In a way that will help control government spending. Republicans are in charge now, though there are some conservatives who have lost patience with uh, Republican majorities that have not worked harder to lower federal spending. For example, I think last year the government spent uh, far more than six trillion dollars and they're on track for the same uh, in 2023, that's a lot of money. It's a lot more money than was spent, even you know, in the year pre-COVID when we were well under five trillion dollars. We're in the four trillion dollar range. So our spending has grown exponentially. So what I saw in the uh, offer from the Republican leadership and Kevin McCarthy to try to win over these holdouts was were ways to kind of guarantee that the House will at least be considering legislation that controls spending, that balances the budget within 10 years, that looks to reform mandatory spending programs that have also grown in an out-of-control way and in a way are not sustainable even uh, into the long-term future. So the various changes, it's all kind of what we call weedy when you're talking about Congress. But it's things like, you know, the, making sure uh, there's a balanced budget agreement and making sure that they don't vote on legislation that doesn't cut spending. They want to reduce spending back to 2022 levels next year. So that those will be big cuts. And some people think that's hard to achieve, especially people who want military spending to increase for national security purposes. It'll be hard, but the House can probably in the negotiation process win a smaller spending bill by starting off at a lower level than the Senate. That's usually how it works. The House starts at one level, the Senate starts at the other. They have to come to an agreement by compromise. This gives them a footing that gets spending at a lower level. So that's what these um, guarantees will do by getting the House kind of pledging to start at this lower level of spending. And again, that was one of the number one things that the holdouts really wanted to get a handle on which is making sure that we don't just pass like just recently the 1.7 trillion dollar they call it the omnibus spending package they don't want any more of that they want the house to make sure it votes on the bills independently and that there's more time to right right. well 12 bills right they want to make sure they 12 bills and occasionally there can be another bill outside of that so yes you're not you're not out of range there and then they also want to make sure that there's ample time. Sometimes they have these excuses where they can rush these thousands of thousands of pages of spending documents to this House floor. and People have to vote on it or the government will shut down. Well, now they want this guaranteed 72-hour period that will give people time to really um, take a crack at these gigantic bills and see what's in them and find out what they're voting for instead of just getting being under this pressure to keep the government open. So all of this is about – getting a handle on runaway government spending spending and i would say by looking at the offer from republican leaders from mccarthy that that's at the heart of what he has offered to them is helping the um ensure that the house does get on that footing now that doesn't guarantee that any of this stuff will happen first of all everything has to pass the house there are, are 435 members and then there will be you know 200 and Uh, 22 Republicans. So not everybody can agree. Then you've got to get it to the Senate, which is run by Democrats. But in the negotiation process, it it gets them at least at a lower starting point, and then ultimately you end up with perhaps less federal spending. So that was the goal, I think, and that's what he presented.
2: Go ahead. There is something about the debt limit increase in here, and this was a bugaboo. This is one of the things that Hill reported yesterday, that, that people were petrified that these same renegades, these same Taliban 20. These same horrible, evil Republicans that were gumming up the works would do the same thing when it came to the debt increase. And, oh, how awful this would be for government. And right. so now this debt limit, apparently, I think you reported that one of the things that yeah, would I happen. Right. Go ahead. Well, what, what is that?
1: Well, there's two things. They eliminate. There's a way that you can automatically – uh, when you pass a budget resolution, you can automatically increase the debt limit. They want to – that's called the Gephardt rule. They want to get rid of that. And then secondly, they're saying that they – that the Republican leadership or that the House Republicans won't agree to a debt limit increase, which is, which is just increasing the nation's borrowing limit. That's what the debt limit is. They won't do it unless they get um, – on discretionary spending, which is not Medicaid, not Social Security, but all the other stuff, unless they get an agreement – Um, In line with uh, budget resolution and some other fiscal reforms that are aimed at lowering the growth of federal spending. So you're not talking about cutting spending, but slowing the growth because every year the government grows spending and sometimes it grows it quite a bit like it has since the COVID pandemic and it really hasn't quite slowed down yet. So this is about saying we want to put the brakes on spending and and we're not going to agree to it unless we get some caps and now the the House has done this, and the Senate has done this before they did it uh more than ten years ago, and they did cap spending and they did slow the inc- they slowed the increase of in spending, and there were savings there. Uh, for the government, so it's been done before. This is not something that's completely revolutionary, and that conservatives are off, are off their rockers as much as Democrats will try to make it sound that way. And again, this is not addressing um, Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare, and other other non-discretionary. Other entitlement
2: stuff. spending, yeah, correct. Now, one of the yeah. things so, that, yeah. but one of the things that underlines this is not part of these negotiations. Uh, you trigger this, and that is the baseline budgeting that is behind all of this. The idea that once you spend money, it's forever locked in the budget. And automatic increases. There's no business in America that operates with a baseline budget like this. Oh, we spent this much last year, so we at least have to spend that much next year. That's not the way the real world operates, but that is how Washington, and I learned that lesson from Rush Limbaugh, who broke it down for the first time for many of us on exactly why spending kept this out-of-control exponential path that it was on. Uh, That's not even being addressed here.
1: And that's very true. Um, But they do leave, they open up and there's a new rule that would allow to uh, get rid of uh, accounts that are not being used to to zero out accounts for various reasons. And that, that was eliminated a few years ago. They want to put that back in. It does give them some control to go in the budget and tackle some things. But you know what's at the heart of that? Um, all of that is not even just the formulaic way that increases happen within federal spending And, and I think rush addressed this too. I've, 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 I've heard him talk about this It's rare, Very 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 hard for lawmakers in either party to cut spending or to really get a handle on spending because it, it Means cutting some stuff in their districts And I think that's why you have you have this small but determined group But they are a small group for that very reason because cutting spending in the way that some people believe is absolutely necessary to keep uh, the economy healthy and keep our government on, you know, from collapsing under the weight of all its debt and deficit. The only way to do it is to, to slow down the government spending. And that's really tricky. And everything. Well, that's just the Democrats. They love to spend. You know, Republicans have a very hard time cutting. They may not want to spend um, at the level of Democrats, but they sure as heck are not super enthusiastic about cutting spending. And I think that's, often at the heart of what happens in congress with these budget fights and eventually you know republicans that are going along with some of these big bills and that's part of the reason why Uh, secondly because they often get blamed for the government shutdowns and that gets them really you know spooked i guess about feeling (laughs) like whoa, we can't if we keep doing this we're you know we're gonna we're we're not going to be in government we'll be voted out well you know the public thinks we can't govern they'll blame us and it's all those things that contribute to what we have seen in these past few spending cycles, which is just humongous increases, uh and again we're on track with this last round to spend just so much more than we ever have. And you know, a lot of people don't even quite understand what that means or wanna understand what that well, you, means for the health of our, our government and our You have our, done our a wonderful economy. job
2: here explaining to us and i want to invite you back i don't want to just invite you back i want to invite you back regularly so you can help us follow this new new congress okay susan
1: well i would love to yes and thank you for inviting me on today it was a real pleasure
2: thank you my pleasure james golden here Bo nerdy we're going to a break back we're going to take more of your phone calls i'm glad to see adam is still on the line i want to give him i i took the last few minutes of the conversation with him i want to give him a chance to respond and your phone calls, too, at 800-848-WABC. Headed back to you right after this. It's the Rush
1: Hour with Bo nerdly It's the Rush Hour with Bo nerdly Goes by the pseudonym Bo nerdly
2: Rush, Rush. Now,
1: here's Bo nerdly
2: This week, if you are a 77 WABC VIP club member, you'll have a chance to win a WABC leather jacket. You want to join? Okay. Get the WABC app. We give away prizes every week, including live events, celebrity meets and greets, signed memorabilia, concert tickets, all that and more. This week, a leather jacket. All you have to do, go to wabc.com slash VIP. You also get a special members-only newsletter. And you're automatically entered every week for a chance to win. You can become a -A WABC VIP, just like me. 77 WABC. Go to wabcradio.com slash VIP. Sign up. Michael Franks, along with Brenda Russell, bring us back. A win I give my love to you. Let's go back to the telephones. Adam, you are such a gentleman, and I appreciate you waiting and hanging in there.
3: <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, by the way, we might not agree on politics, but we do agree on music, and that is, to me, much more important. Um, I will say, in terms of uh, Trump, the one my argument is this, that Trump— uh, used the term, and he was not speaking rhetorically when he used the term, stolen election and fraudulent election over and over hundreds of times, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. even accused the Indian voting machines of uh, illegally changing votes, you know, for, uh, against him towards towards Democrats. And and I noticed that you're talking about ballot harvesting, which is not a criminal offense. It might not be fair, might need to be changed in, in the states, but you're not discussing Dominion voting machines. Do you believe that Dominion voting machines illegally. I'm not
2: getting it? into Dominion voting machines because of the legal ramifications, quite frankly, of actually talking about them. And I'm not going to subject myself nor subject this radio station to potential lawsuits. Bec- but there's a lot that I could say about them that I won't say. But I will say this, okay? I will say this. You have issues that happen in Pennsylvania where the judges overrule the legislative body, and that's considered unconstitutional. Many of us believe in this country that the legislature does make the laws, not the courts, especially a Democrat-elected court. You have ballot harvesting, and it did happen you have other issues that the American electorate is upset about. And so I think it's wrong to dismiss people entirely and just try to um, use a talking point. Oh, they talk about stolen elections. Those people are idiots. No, they're not idiots. These are people who actually pay attention to what's going on in the country. Where we had election day once, we have now election weeks, election months. Okay? And these are federal elections, and people take their vote seriously. You have all this fuss over voter IDs, something simple as showing an ID. And people on our side of the aisle look at this stuff and say, you guys got to be quitting. Look, there's no confidence in an election. We look at these elections now and we say, this is the kind of stuff that happens in third world countries. Somebody's in the lead, two o'clock in the morning, all the counting stops. And then when the counting resumes, then things go the way that certain people want them to go. It's not right. Whether it looks bad, whether it is bad, the appearance of, even the appearance of impropriety should be avoided. Okay? Adam, and these are things that we would hope that good people like you, and I mean that sincerely, Adam, would actually let's stop talking points at each other and actually talk about the underlying issues here. Adam, I want your vote to count. I don't care who you vote for, I want it to count. And you should want every other American's vote to count, and we should all want to have confidence that this is the United States of America, where once people around the world looked for us for leadership on running clean elections. And right now, half the country doesn't believe that the elections are run in a clean fashion, and we need to fix that. Now, can, Adam, despite what you may think about Trump and what I may think about Trump, can at least you and I agree on that?
3: Yes. Can I say one thing? Sure. Um, all right. So the reason that the votes counts go on and on and on is in Florida, it happens as soon as um, mail-in votes come in, they start counting them. So by Election Day, they actually have counted all the votes already. The reason in Arizona is because the Republican legislation made a rule that they cannot start counting those votes until after Election Day or, or at Election Day. So essentially you're, you're saying, well, why is it going on and on? But those are actually – the reasons are not because it's actually, you know, something that's illegal happening. It's because votes that were counted before Election Day are counted later now due to legislative rules. It has nothing to do – and usually they – And in with, Arizona, Adam, friends. you're
2: right. And Adam, I, Hey, and Adam, you're right about Arizona. That's how it happened. But let me also point out to you in Arizona something else happened. You had the two people in charge of the elections in Maricopa County – Republicans formed a super PAC and all of the expenditures in that super PAC went against Carrie Lake. Now, do you think that's right, that you're in charge of the election machinery and you're running the election in the largest county in the state and the two people in charge of it form a super PAC to defeat a candidate that's on the ballot? Do you find nothing wrong with that?
3: Was it illegal?
2: I didn't ask you that. I asked you a simple question. Do you think that that's right? If it was right? I
3: illegal, I have. If, if if I I'm a person of rule and law, I'm a lawyer. Okay. If something is illegal, I have a problem with it. There are lots of things in politics that are not that are. Legal let me ask you that a that question.
2: Let me ask it another way. Is that a moral way to run an election?
3: Uh, you know, I aye. I would say yeah yeah. Well, let, let me finish. I, okay. I don't believe that it was immoral because I believe that everything was done across, above the board. I don't think there was anything See, legal this is the problem or... that
2: you. This is the problem that we have with you guys. Y'all look at something, and you could be a lawyer all you want to. And this is what we ask of you, lawyers. Those of us that are not. How come you lawyers just can't look at something and say wrong is wrong? If you're supposed to be, in, if you want clean and fair elections, you don't put people in charge of the elections who have an out, open bias. It's wrong. Come on, man. Using a little Joe Biden lingo there. Come on, man, it's wrong, Adam.
3: But I would just say that going back to Trump, everything we're talking about—everything always goes legal. back to Trump. Yes, that's why you're losing. That's why.
2: That's no, why no. That's- I'm not. No, 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 baby. That's why America's losing. I'm not losing. America loses when we have gotten so wrapped up in this Trump dysfunction hate that the Democrat Party has been engaged in for the last since 2016, that they can't even have an open-minded perspective anymore on what's right and what's wrong. It's all about Trump. You get the last word, Adam, and you also get an invitation to please call me back and let us have extended discussions, because I absolutely love the way that you think, even though I disagree with it.
3: Yes, and I love your show, so I appreciate it. But I will just say this. I think Trump is ultimately going to be a bane on the Republican Party. And here, let me just say this. I think Trump is going to end up not getting the nomination, and he's going to run as an independent MAGA, and he's going to call everyone else rhinos, and it's going to split the Republican Party. I want a healthy two-party system. My concern is that Trump is a Pandora's box that will not be closed easily. And that's. I'll end with that.
2: And I will close and say thank you so much for your call, Adam. And you, I hope to hear from you often. And uh, Trump is going to be a force in American politics no matter what. And uh, the Democrats, as much as they'd like to see him go away, he's not going away. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, we are coming back. More of your calls coming up right after this.
1: Rush. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Nerdly. Bo Snerdly. On 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snerdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Rush. 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 Rush.
2: James Golden, WABC Talk Radio 77. In New York, it is Friday. We are here tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. sharp. Diego is usually with us on Saturday. He's here today. This is Diego's song, Warm Summer, which is now part of our music rotation. Diego, how's your album doing? My album is doing very, very well, actually. I think I hit about uh, 5,000 streams now. Lovely. And this is Diego singing, playing the instruments. We can't play it at length today, Diego. But we'll okay. uh, give you. Yeah, we're going to give you a little longer, uh, uh, some airtime on this one. This is one of my favorite songs now. It's part of the music rotation. So this Thanks is our so own much. Diego. Where can people find it, Diego? You can find it on uh,
3: anywhere you can get music: uh, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music. Just search my name, Diego Goitia. That is A G O Y T I A. That again. That is. A G-O-Y-T-I-N actually we have a show coming up in
2: March, March fourth at the Delancey in uh, lower Manhattan at seven. How? Awesome, Diego. Warm summer, Diego. Thank you. Let's get back to the telephones and we go to uh where is it called uh, George in Rockland. How are you, George?
4: Hi, Hi doing, uh, Mr. Golden. It's always really nice hearing from you. I like listening to you during the week and on weekend whenever I can here, Okay, but I'm calling now to pick a bone with you. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I hope you let me talk. Okay. Go ahead.
2: You're wasting time. You. Just talk. 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 Go.
4: Okay. O- okay. So uh, you yesterday went on a oh, how can I put it? Okay.
5: You kept a going rant. On, on
4: my uh, on my representative. Yep. Uh, you know, Mike Lawler. Okay. Now, uh, Mike Lawler, uh, you refer to as royalty. Uh, you made all kind of comments uh, about him. Now, Mike Lawler, before become to be a ran for Congress, he was a state uh, representative. We had uh, we had uh, Democrats representing in a Congress uh, our district for many many years with a very inapt. And, you know, and and just bad representation. Finally, after a long time, he was elected, okay? And we, and and I do, and I think a lot of other people feel that he's down-to-earth a a representative. He cares for the people. He looks for what's good for the people here. One of the reasons that he was elected, Mr. Golden, was because, he got uh, he no he he defeated one of the pillars of the Democratic Party, uh, you know Sean Patrick Maloney here, and one of the uh, he, and he got help from Mr McCarthy. Okay, so I don't see anything wrong about somebody being uh, loyal. Okay, I also believe that each one of us deserve a right to make his own uh, belief and judgment, and so did he. He you know. I don't see, you know, I feel that if you really want to get to the truth of it, get him on your show here and let him talk to you, interview him like you do some other people here, and then hear directly from you, not from some other liberal media uh, show and stuff. Look,
2: okay, I let you, I think, I think, George, George, I think you can say that you've had your shot. Now, let me just be real quick and respond to you. I'm not mad at like Mike law, Lawyer, liar, law, I'm sorry, I'm not doing this, wait a minute, his name is Lawler. I am not mad at him for being loyal to Kevin McCarthy. I'm not mad at him for voting his conscience. I am upset, and I was upset, and rightly so, that he is trashing the motives of those people who are standing up, and he's ridiculing them and mocking them. And that's where I chastised him for. How dare you, with your supreme arrogance, sit up and come in here. You're not even sitting in Congress yet, and yet and still you find fit to rag on people for standing up for the American people. Now, George, I don't know whether you know this or not. Over half the American Republican voters, Rasmussen poll, don't want Kevin McCarthy as the leader. But over half of their representatives do. There is a disconnect okay, there are people who are standing up for their constituents, and he doesn't give them the courtesy of having pure motive. He dumps his squat all over them, and I'm standing up for them. He was arrogant. I don't blame him for being loyal. I respect that. I don't blame him for his position. I respect his position. I don't respect him dumping all over people who have a different view than he did, and that's why I called him out. You get the last word, George.
4: All I say, all I say, get a Representative Lawler on your show, and let's see what he says. And I believe this would be a fair way, uh, you know, of of going about it. This is my opinion. Thank you for your time, sir.
2: Thank you, George. Always love hearing from you. I'd be glad to get Representative on the on the show Anytime. I'd love to get him on the show. Jen, Did you hear that? Yeah, okay, let us go to Somerset and Mark. How are you, Mark? Time's running out. I'm going to try to squeeze as many calls as we can in here. Hi, Mark.
5: Yes good afternoon uh, before I get to my main comment i 'm going to make that reference again to the culture of critique by Dr. Kevin McDonald. If you want to know what 's going on with regard to the leftist policies that are destroying this country, pick up that book, The Culture of Critique by Dr. Kevin McDonald. Now I called in about January sixth and the politicization of our law enforcement agencies. Now you have hundreds hundreds nearly <clears throat> nearly a thousand. Law-abiding, mostly white American taxpayers who are languishing in prison in Washington, D.C. for little more than misdemeanor trespassing offenses. All right. They've been politicized. They've been put through the criminal justice system purely for political reasons. They're being charged with felonies that are destroying their lives, tearing them away from their jobs, their families and everything that they need to function as law abiding citizens on these trumped up charges. No pun intended. Now, speaking of our former president, while he had plenty of ink in his pen to pardon and commute the sentences of degenerate, uh financiers from wall street or uh subhuman uh criminals criminal rappers from the entertainment industry who had uh, criminal records five times the length of manhattan he didn't have one drop of ink in his pen to pardon anybody who actually followed him to the capitol on january 6th in 2020
2: well and he didn't go so head- to say followed him in is an inaccurate phrase but i understand your points and, Mark, and I understand these points, and I love your passion about this. Let me say something to you. We heard from, and I talked about this at the time, we heard that the conditions that some of these January six people are being held in are similar to that of what American left went crazy about at Abu Ghraib. And I mean it. Those conditions in these that bad, many were denied the opportunity to even get out of their cells except for one hour a day. They're being treated like their death row um, like they're de- on death row, and it is wrong, and it has been wrong, and we've talked about that. And on this anniversary, I'm glad you brought it up because many of them are still in jail, and you're absolutely right about the way that they have been treated. And again, I compare it to they aff- look, they offended American royalty, they offended the elected class, and that's why, and the elected class of liberals and and Republicans. And that's why they're languishing in jail right now. And we all can see it clearly. And your points are very well taken. Thank you, Mark. Max, you got to hurry it up because we are running out of time quickly here.
3: Gotcha, James. Thank you. Two things. One, why don't we have all the family members who are, have them interviewed who have loved ones locked up from January 6th? The second thing I'd like to say is I think that Adam should be very thankful that a conservative had him – had him on and allowed him to open his mouth. If we were calling into a liberal station, they would not allow a conservative to speak. Thank you.
2: Thank you. I will allow anybody to speak here. Look, I love political discussion. I love this country and our freedoms. And you all are welcome. My friends that are liberals, you are welcome here. My friends that are progressives, you are welcome here. My friends that are aligned with me politically, you are welcomed here. All are welcome we can have the great American discussions on this show and on this radio station. Time's up for me today. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. I'll be here bright and early at 7 o'clock in the morning. Have your first cup of coffee with me tomorrow. See you then. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo nerdly
5: Sick of being upsold at gyms.